Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Um, big number. Um, ben was talking about singing a little intro for us. I'm not going to put him on the spot. I'm not going to ask him to do that, but uh, we'll we'll let him if he wants to. Uh, Bill, how's it going? It's going great, Andy. How are you? Uh, as you know, I was on vacation last week. I am drinking by the fire hose, but... Uh, How many emails, unread emails do you have? Only about 300. Well, I read, I did some of them while I was gone. Okay. Well, and to be honest, I'm at a point at this point where I'm kind of CC'd or a lot of stuff is garbage. Right. So it's, right. I, I need to spend a little bit of time this week to just, just focus and dig through what I can, but right. it's, uh, it's not as bad as it used to be. I used to go on vacation and have to work the whole time. Now I can just, I can just. Like everything, things will get taken care of. That's great. Right. So uh, Ben Rogers is with us. Ben is the sales engineer for Citrix that works out of the Charlotte office. You're local. Ben, uh, that's kind of a, I don't say a sore subject, but you're uh, you're covering maybe upstate New York now as well? Yes, I have been moved out of North and South Carolina and now covering upstate New York. So uh, up there 100% full-time. Still live in North Carolina, but yeah. as Bill and I were talking with the power of virtual technology you can pretty much put me anywhere and i can work anywhere so uh, yeah man upstate new york is my home for 2022 yeah i think that's a good segue into our blog that we're reviewing today the blog is from alicia eve uh from citrix i bet and it's uh how to drive innovation and productivity for your distributed workforce um i think drive is the key word right because you've got the need to have people work harder work smarter drive more business at the same time you're scared to death that maybe people are uh, checking out on you and taking a paycheck. I know, I know I've got situations here at Zintegra, right? Where I literally had somebody apologize a couple of days ago for taking a year off. I mean, they basically took a year off and pretended to work and uh, we didn't, I didn't, you know, not, not a lot I could do. I couldn't tell necessarily what they were doing and what they weren't doing. And they, they literally admitted to it without a lot of pressure the other day. Um, it's, it, this is a hot topic, and I heard you and Bill talking before I jumped on about, uh, you know, you got people that, that want to kind of hide away as much as they can. You got people that want to be out there in full force again. You have people that are kind of a blend of that. Um, you know, figuring out how we're going to work going forward and, and getting people to do better work. Doesn't have to be more work, but better work and produce more uh, using the tools that we have is key. I, I'll make one other comment real quick. I, I have come to the resolution that um, – you know, a lot of people in our industry, like us, don't really understand what a digital digital workspace is and how to leverage it. Uh, I've still got people sending out Word documents to collaborate on and telling everybody, hey, make your edits, send it back to me. I'll compile them all together, not realizing that through a single workspace, they could have shared and uh, communicated what to do and how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I was, I was, I'll admit something, you know, I enjoy working from home. But I do think that there's a built-in inefficiency with it. And this is not Citrix talking. This is just me personally talking. Uh, I get my job done. But what I've noticed is that it's, it's, I'm working more hours a day. And it's due to the fact of distractions. Uh, man, I'll get distracted with something. Something will take me away from my work for five to ten minutes. And so what I've started to notice during the pandemic is I'm getting the same amount of work done. I'm getting it done in a work day, but my work day has changed. Instead of it being a concentrated eight hours between eight to five, now it's work a little bit, get distracted a little bit, work a little bit. So now it's more like 
I start my day at seven, might do a little, little, little bit of work from seven to eight, might take a 15 minute break at eight, but it's more spread across the day because being at home, being accessible to it, but also being distracted from being at home. And that's one of the things as a business owner, I think I would struggle with a little bit is the distraction. Uh, and then to your point, you know, how efficient is the user at home getting their job done? And so that's just a personal struggle for me is that I look at myself and I think I'm a good employee. I get my job done. I get my tasks done. But I've noticed that it's over a bigger period of time per day than I would really like. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you guys that compensate for the distractions by adding more time to the beginning or end of their day are? You broke up on me for a minute there. You're asking what the statistic on that is? Yeah, what do you think the number of people that actually add time to the beginning or end of their day to compensate for the distractions? Do you think everybody does that? A, a small percentage do that? What what percentage of the people compensate for the distractions or how many people just, you know, start at nine and end at five and whatever distractions accumulated for, that's just lost productivity? I mean, that's an interesting question. I, I would love to have some some data from, you know, uh, one of the HR companies to kind of evaluate that. I, I mean, I've talked to several professionals that they've kind of done the same thing I have. It, it's no longer like you used to separate work by physical locale. Yeah. And I was telling Bill earlier that, man, my desk has now become my home desk, my work desk. I mean, it's everything into me. So whether I'm sitting down to watch a YouTube video about how to shoot a better putt, or whether I'm watching a YouTube video to figure out how to do something in Nutanix. Um, it just seems like I'm working more. I mean, it's just a weird vibe to me right now that I'm not sure I'll ever come out of it, man. I might always kind of be in this. It's just a, it's been, it's been weird to kind of uh, find that in myself, man, if I had to be honest with myself. Well, going back to the article, I think what we're really talking about is 80% of what we do today is going to be normal going forward. Yeah. And you're, you're, you are never going to come out of it. Um, and even the employees that used to go into an office 40 hours a week are going to be working some type of hybrid model. And the question is, how do we, how do we encourage and nurture more productivity in that world? Well, I think a lot of it is, I think what they're saying in the article, as we go through it, a lot of it is, is the types of tools that need to, to need to lend themselves to the remote type of work, workspaces, to your point. Uh, I mean, that, I think that's a big part of it is, is making sure that they have the tools and the connectivity to be able to be, to be productive. I know for myself, I'm a little bit different than Ben. I, I have a dedicated office where I can basically lock myself away, so to speak, from the rest of the home. So I'm not interrupted nearly as much, perhaps, as you are, Ben. But uh, so I have a tendency to work a standard work day, but I set goals each day. And if I achieve those goals, then, you know, I'll wrap up at six o'clock, quarter to six, something like that. If I don't, I'll keep going or I'll come back after dinner to get it done, to get everything done that needs to be done. So it's a different way of approaching it. But uh, to put some kind of kind of uh, framework around it is kind of what I decided to do. So. You know, I, it's become painfully obvious to me in the last month that the our, all the marketing and things that we're doing around digital workspaces is missing our main goal as a Citrix reseller and integrator is to create this idea. You have a, a digital transformation that includes a workspace 
that brings into the fold other digital technologies so that your users truly have one place to go for hybrid work, whether they're in the office or whether they're at home. Uh, I was, you know, Ben was talking a while ago about his golf uh, game. Uh, my guess is when it comes to that, you probably just Google it, right? And Google gets you to YouTube or Google gets you to somewhere else that you want to go look and, and research on uh, different aspects of your golf game. You know, Google has become my digital workspace uh, for my personal life. But that won't work in the real world for work use cases. Uh, I was with someone this past week um, skiing, and they were they they I guess they assume they know what I do, but they never stop and really ask. But nonetheless, they um, they were talking about Office three sixty five being in all the digital workspace you would ever need. And I was like, yeah, but two seconds ago you told me about three or four applications that aren't Microsoft related. How are you getting to those? Well, we log in like we always did. I was like, well, that's that defeats the point of having you know a, a very succinct powerful one sign in multi-factor single sign on digital workspace and uh the response was well my it guys are smart they know what they're doing it's like okay um but i think what we're really talking about here is the idea that you know hybrid work is here to stay how do we enable people to be more productive and also keep an eye on their productivity all along i think this article really goes into the the first real section of the meat of the article and talks about the user experience and how to make that better, which will hopefully drive productivity, hopefully. Yeah, I found it very interesting in reading this that the, the reference to 61% of employees say they spend more time trying to get technology to work than they'd like. That's a lot higher than I thought it would be. Uh, but that's where we, we need to be you know, more efficient in putting together solutions with our customers, we all do. Um, that work toward, you know, for the user. And part of that's understanding the user experience and customer success and things that we're doing already, Andy, but but uh, looks like a lot of folks aren't. They, they, they haven't even come around to the idea that they need to, right? right. They're still, you know, they, they, they're using Office 365 because it gets some functionality and, and ease of use of a handful of things, but they don't know how to apply that to the other things. And they're willing to go old school for the other things, not trying to figure out how to bring them into modern work portals. Exactly. Ben, do you see a lot of people still like, how many meetings a week do you have where they're talking about VDI versus a true digital workspace experience? Well, I mean, I'm, some of the interesting conversations I'm having with customers are, you know, they're in hospitals, they're in a hosted chair environment, mm -hmm. and now they've got to split off some VDI for very specific reasons. And where I see this happen a lot is like a check-in, check-in, check-out, where you've got scanners, cameras, and, th and that's not really a good environment for a hosted chair. So I do see a lot of organizations kind of taking a step back and going, how can we, you know, reorganize our IT? infrastructure to better suit these specific places like an admin check-in, check-out. Um, and, that, and that's changing the way that the admin organizations are having to look at their, uh, their end-user compute rollout. And so it does add some complexity, but it also solves some problems. From a remote work standpoint, what I think is most interesting is that you've got some companies like a call center that historically did not want those users remote, but with the pandemic, it has now made them, forced them to have it remote or the workforce is no longer where they're at and they have to go more global to find that workforce. That I think would be a pretty easy thing to bring into this type of environment because it's task driven. Uh, when I was at CNSA and Andy, you and I discussed this a couple of times, 
I wanted to move appointments in the business office people to home. And one of the conversations that we had was, how do we evaluate how good they're doing? Well, same way that we evaluated when they were in the building. When you got an appointments person, how many appointments are they doing per hour? If they fall, what's the reason for that fall? And you can you can find some data within the application to help you that. Where it's tricky is where you don't have those task-driven day-to-day employees, similar to what you and I do, more conceptual. We're working on projects. These projects have multiple tasks that aren't clearly defined, but are there, but no stop and end date on them. And that's where I see a lot of hospitals and healthcare facilities kind of run that challenge of how do we take non-task driven people like a research person and send them there to their home and know that they're getting their job done when we can't accurately evaluate it on given task in a given set of hours. And, you know, would you agree there's more of those type of people today than ever and trying to figure out a way to measure their productivity when you can't see them produce is challenging? Well, I think that's where you have to become, you know, creative as a manager or figure out ways to have touch points with them or, you know, know what the project is and how long it should take. And uh, that that becomes an interesting management conversation because now you're you're having to place trust in the employees. And I hope that everybody wants to hire employees that they trust. But at the same time, you've got to have some accountability there so that trust is not the only factor that you're looking at. Right. I was surprised by this 61% number because I would have thought by now, two years into the pandemic, as engineers and technologists, we would have gotten a better job of condensing this environment where employees can get in and hit the ground running. Yeah. And I, I'll give you an example of what happened to me. I'm coming back from vacation Sunday and I had one of the guys on my team say he couldn't use um, a signature signing tool of ours. And he's been working with the help desk to try to solve that problem. Uh, I use it every week. So I know it works. Uh, let me simplify the way. And they did, and it worked. And what I realized there was the support desk and the two other leaders in the company he was talking to, they don't use the tool the right way anyway to get through the digital workspace to access it. So they were not able to help them because not everybody in the company eats their own dog food. Uh, I'll I'll go out on a limb and put Bill on the spot here. And Bill, do you use your virtual desktop and your digital workspace all day, every day for everything you do? Not all day, every day for everything I do, no. And, and I don't either. And I preach it, but I still don't do it. And then occasionally something doesn't work and I report it and I'm the only one reporting it, but it doesn't work across the company. Um, just, you know, it's not limiting. Therefore, people work around the system. Um, really got to be diligent to try to keep them from working around the system. But Bill, yeah. uh, Bill I, 61% doesn't surprise me. People are still out there struggling. And a lot of that has to do with the companies just, you know, standing up their own solutions and just like my example a while ago, my IT guy's smart. He knows exactly what he's doing. I'm like, uh, I do this. I've been doing this for 25 plus years. At least give me the benefit of the doubt and say he might not know it all. Yeah. Years yeah. and has no, you know, does everything his own way. Now, Andy, I will I will throw a compliment Citrix's way, man. They kind of force us into our digital workspace. There are tools in my digital workspace that are not uh, – not accessible to me outside that digital workspace, or I don't know how to access them outside my digital workspace. So 
I don't want to say forced because I don't want to feel like I'm forced to do anything, but Citrix has done an excellent job cocooning me and giving me the tools I need inside that workspace. And if I'm not in that workspace, then I'm not able to be as efficient as I should be. And so I have to compliment them as a company dealing with employees like me and making sure that we stay cocooned inside the work environment that they need us in. But at some point, Ben, is it just not a matter of they they have to force it to come that way? They have to force you to get into the system that way, turn off all of their access methods, or you know, you would just simply log in using your local browser? Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a creature, man. I like to do what my company says to do. And so they when I joined, they said, here's your workspace. Here's all your tools. I really haven't. Like I tried one time to circumvent and get into Salesforce without going through our workspace. And man, it was more trouble than it was worth. It asked me more questions than I was used to answering. It was like, all right, it's easier for me to just go back to workspace and launch it from there. Um, so I, I think, I think if you configure the workspace correctly and you build security in there again, I don't want to say, you know, man, it holds them in that environment, but cocoon them in that environment and make them feel like, I feel like, I'm going to get the most productivity out of my day if I start in my workspace. For one, I know everything's there and I know there's something that I'm not forgetting or not going into. If I didn't do that, I would feel like my day was fragmented and that I was missing something. Well, I think you highlighted some key here. They make it better and easier to do it the company way. And they don't necessarily prevent you to do it the other way, but they make it better and easier. That's what this is all about, right? If I want somebody to move from a, a sedan to an SUV in terms of what they buy, I better do everything I can to make the SUV a better experience for them. It's just like, uh, like I don't know, maybe a stretch here, but I, I noticed Ford is really investing in making their traditional cars electric. They're not trying to force me into buying this you know, space alien looking car, which a lot of people love, but I, I don't want that. I want something that looks like a truck I'm, and I, I'm okay with it being electric. Uh, I know that's where it's going, but I don't want to buy this cyber truck looking thing that I can't put a load of wood in. Um, next section here talks about how to simplify IT management for hybrid work with Citrix. So, you know, we know it, but Ben, talk about what Citrix is doing to make this easier to put out there and manage as the IT group, not necessarily the end users. Well, I think one thing that we're doing good is with our uh, admin portal. Now, you know, everybody everybody has a one pane of glass, but with Studio, for us, man, that is one pane of glass. So within our studio in the web, we can see all the applications, all the desktops. I mean, all the system administrators know this. It's just like our on-prem product, but that does give us one pane of glass to look at. What are we distributing out? Not only from a desktop side, but now from an application side. And then we're also building some things in the portal that will allow us to do just applications. So I think the ability to inventory, what you have is making things easier on IT, uh, IT admins. So being able to see and know, okay, this is what I'm, this is what I'm publishing out. This is who it's going to. This is how it's being consumed. Just giving the tools to really uh, give the administration staff the confidence that the utilities are getting out to the users. The users are using the utilities. It's not just getting out there, but they're being published and they're being used. And then you know, basically looking back at support and as we roll these things out, what things bubble up as problems. Better yet, what things disappear because they were corrected. So 
I see a lot of consolidation. I see a lot of ease of management. I see a lot of ease of inventory. And these are all things administrators need to be able to properly, you know, resource the applications and desktops that the users and administration needs. So Ben and Bill, think about it for a minute. Let me ask you this question. I'll start with Bill. Bill, how many solutions, how many vendors are there on the market that can truly bring in the desktop experience from themselves or someone else, application, x86 application experience from themselves or someone else, and the world of SaaS applications under a single sign-on zero trust model? How many vendors are there in that space? Probably under 10. It's a small number, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's probably three or four that are that are major players, and then the rest are much smaller. You know, the bottom left corner of the of the uh, magic quadrant type thing. And 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 when you have that uh, bottom left corner of the magic quadrant, are those ones that can bring their own delivery capabilities into the mix, or are no. they just aggregators for everybody else? They're aggregate. They're aggregators. Yes. I mean, I'm trying really hard. To the best of my knowledge, there's there's two. Well, I, I would want to expand your question a little bit, Andy. How many of them can do it across multiple clouds? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. And by yeah. clouds, I'm talking app clouds, SaaS clouds, yeah. uh, PaaS clouds, IaaS clouds. I mean, it is a very small. Yeah, you're, if you frame it that way, it probably is too. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then, and then the other piece of it is, you know, what kind of like one of the things I love about Citrix and the use of the resource locations is you can you can quickly identify where things live. Where are my resource locations at? And then based on those resource locations, you then if, if you're if you're organized now, man, we've all been in installs where resource locations were named one thing, machine catalogs were named another, and you're like, are they coming or are they going? But if you have a if you have a system and you try to be organized with it. You can really get down to where you can look, just look at your machine catalogs or your, your distribution groups and go, here's how things are laid out. Um, and I think that's key, man, is being organized and given the ability to quickly inventory. I don't want to have to go to some grand spreadsheet or I don't want to have to go to, you know, man, AD and see what all my machines are. I want to be able to look in the portal and very quickly go, I only need to see one. I know there's a thousand out there, but this one is the one that's important to me. Yeah. Now, Ben, are you saying that in the uh, context of an administrator? Are you saying that in the context of a user? I'm saying that in the context of an administrator. To a user, it should be I log in and wham, I got one desktop, 10 applications, whatever. I shouldn't be confusing the user's environment with multiples of things. They should see a clear window, clear applications, one for them. They shouldn't have to care where it lives. That's what the back end's about. I'm talking more about the administrator that's got to keep up with, you know, I've got uh, I've got next gen out there in this version and I've got another version of next gen that's being used by test users. I mean, when you start getting into those types of environments, it can get very complicated very quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Having a solution set that really solves the problem for the end user and the administrator at the same time and brings in the analytics piece that uh, we've been talking about as a possible way to measure somebody's performance. It's all there. It's just a matter of simplifying it. Um, <laughs> I wish I could go into detail as some of the things I got to tackle today, but I mean, I go out, if I go out really looking for who's doing their job, it really becomes obvious quick and the data is all there. I just need a, I need a better way to, to find out about it versus having to go looking around. 
you know, one of the things I talk to customers about, particularly ones that are that when you sit down with them, they go, I need to get a grip on cloud. I got to do something with it. I'm getting pressure from Microsoft or I got some kind of project that's pushing me to it. But it's it's really the ability to know where your resources are. And once you get into a hybrid cloud environment, that gets difficult quick because you might have specific reasons you need to publish in AWS or you need to publish in Google or you need to publish in Azure or you need to keep that on-prem. Once you start spidering out the hybrid cloud, I think it's going to be even more important for administrators to stay organized, to, to know where the resources live. And so I see complexity coming on board with multiple clouds, but I also see Citrix having a tool set to take that complexity and put it under a single pane of glass. What I do with customers, I, I throw paintballs on the wall in my PowerPoint. I go, you got data center A, you got data center B, you're managing both of those in two panes of glass. Let's merge those into one pane of glass. But that's not the only thing you're mad managing. You're managing Azure, you could be managing GCP, you could be managing AWS. Let's not make that a separate pane of glass. And so as you start to throw these resources on the wall, it starts to look like just a splattered mess of ink. And that's where Citrix really comes in and does a good job of flattening that out and going, here's your control plane, here's your infrastructure, here's where it fans out, and here's how you can get to those resource locations, just like you would anywhere else. Yep. Hey, you factor in that and the ability to deliver apps from your platform from the, within the same platform. And there, you know, the, the list of opportunities, potential companies to solve that problem got down to two or roughly two. Somebody else will correct me and say there's a couple others, but there's really only two that are even focused on that and have been for a couple of years. Uh, you take the comment that was made to me around Microsoft and Microsoft doesn't care anything about your legacy application from Google uh, legacy, not even legacy, your Google application that somebody in the company decided to add it's not likely they're going to treat it like a first-class citizen. Well, dude, I, I'm I'm shocked at how many companies are going non-Microsoft. Uh, I've talked to two companies that they go, it'll be out of here in two years, and I'm like, what are you what are you replacing it with? And man, man, Linux desktops are making a big swing these days. Uh, man, non-Microsoft applications. I mean, I just had a friend of mine move over to a company. They're not a Microsoft shop. He's in shell shop trying to figure out how to do the world without Microsoft. But you are starting to see companies look at other solutions outside of Microsoft. Right. Are you guys seeing that? I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing it some, but I wouldn't call it, a, a, a you know, a watershed, so to speak. I don't I'm not seeing a lot of it. But we see we've seen a couple of customers that are that are folk, they're moving away from 365 to another platform. But it's very small at this point. Although I'm, I am aware of some really large ones, really large companies, friends of mine work for that that are all Google, um, and basically, with the exception of a few departments, have gone away from Office 365. Wow, so, so Ben, you imagine that. So, yeah. so let me let Bill answer the question first. Bill, the ones that are moving away from Microsoft, we tried this, right? We tried this back in the day with uh, Open Office, getting away from the mm-hmm. Office platform. Why are the ones that are moving away from Microsoft doing it? What do you think the number one and number two, maybe three reasons are? Well, I think a big reason is uh, number one is cost to some degree. Uh, the other, the other big reason is they're hiring a lot of of young workers who have grown up on Google platforms in school using Chromebooks and things like that, and so they're 
they're it's it's a natural shift for them. There's there's they're bringing workers in who don't know Excel. They know Sheets, uh, and I, that's another reason I think that you're seeing some of these companies, particularly the larger ones that are. I mean, this one company that I'm speaking of is um, has a very young workforce, even though it's a big company. They hire a lot of folks out of college and and you know young workers that are accustomed to the to the Google platform much more so than if you were to throw that at me, I'd be like your friend Ben. I'd be lost at Michigan. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, Bill. I, I uh, man, how the tides are changing. Yeah. Well, and so I think Bill's hitting on a key thing. There used to be this barrier to making this transition because people were already trained on Excel or or Word or PowerPoints. The people now coming up, they're trained on the Google applications right. just as much, if not more. So that uh, barrier, there's going to be a tipping point where some of those legacy products that are super powerful and 95% of what those apps can do, we don't leverage. Some people do, but for the most part, we don't. Right. Um, you know, it's not going to be the showstopper it was 10 years ago. So I, tried. I have a funny story to talk about technology use. So my 10-year-old and I were in the Verizon store the other day, and Samsung's got this new, this new tablet phone out, man. It can fold out to look like a small tablet or could fold up to look like a phone. And I was looking at this and I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. But, you know, I see limitations. Man, my 10-year-old picks this thing up and he he sees no limitations. He yeah. sees possibilities. And yeah. so it was amazing to me the paradigm difference of looking at this device. And so, Bill, to your point of hiring younger workers who didn't come from a Microsoft world, Hell, I'm worried about my son being the type of worker that he doesn't work on a laptop, man. Everything he does is on a tablet. He does not float towards a keyboard. It has to be mouse-driven. I've tried to put him in front of a mouse and a keyboard, and he goes, no, Dad, I want to touch it. I want to, you know, expand on it. He knows more of the finger moves than I do. And so it will be real interesting over the next 10 to 15 years to see how the workplace adjusts to Differences in hardware that people use, different in applications that people use. And so I find it very interesting that we're starting to see the beginning of that shift now. So, so Ben, I want to go back to the question I was asking Bill, but ask you, and, and I'm going to ask it differently. Do you believe that the, uh, the security dynamic that now exists with malware and ransomware is causing people to pull the plug on the very successful Microsoft platforms because they feel like they don't have a choice. Uh, I mean, I I, I believe anything's uh, susceptible to security. So, man, to say that a Windows machine is less secure than a Linux machine, I don't I don't particularly buy that. I mean, I think everything's vulnerable, and I think with enough time, uh, a smart person could could you know compromise those vulnerabilities. I think cost is a lot of it. I think Microsoft is also taking this strong arm of you're going to cloud, man, and we're going to force you. And some companies just really have not bought off on that Microsoft way to cloud. And so that's now got them looking at Google and other companies that are born in cloud. Yeah. Um, Is that the excuse they needed? Is that the excuse they needed to say, okay, if I got to go there anyway, maybe I reboot the whole, my whole platform. Exactly. Especially if it's going to be expensive for them, you know, um, I don't know. There's part of me that would love to go back and be a customer now because I'd like to see what the cost of Microsoft is going to cloud and how they could, you know, I don't want to say penalize, but, you know, how they can make it costly for you to remain on-prem. I know uh, uh, with some of Citrix's pricing, 
um, you know, this is the reality of the market, man. It's going to be cheaper for you to go to our cloud products than it is to stay on prem. And it's just where the marketplace is going. So uh, I'm not sure, Andy. I think a lot of it's just there's a new way of doing it. People want to explore that. They've gone down the Microsoft path. Uh, man, I've got a lot of customers that are just frustrated with the Microsoft way. They've they've gone the cloud, they've gone to Azure, but yet some of the things still persist as problems. FS Logic not playing well in the Azure environment. So I think some people see that cloud and Azure being a way of getting out of the day-to-day problems that they exist on-prem, but sometimes you just see the same things in the cloud environment. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with you guys. I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think the security conversation, yes, anything's hackable, but when you when you close down most of the common areas of attack and you no longer can sideload applications, you can't just go put whatever random software you want because you have admin rights. I think the security piece and part of the article here talks about zero trust. I think the zero trust model of even the operating system or the cloud environments uh, that uh, Microsoft has to deal with because of their legacy and the others don't, I think that really helps move the needle a lot. So let me ask you, Andy, we, we've talked about this in the past. You know, when we when I was at CNSA and we ran uh, the HP Thin clients, we didn't have a lot of endpoint scans on those things. And that always made me nervous. Uh, I don't know if that situation has been resolved or not these days. I haven't I haven't seen a lot of thin client customers talk about putting, you know, an antivirus or an endpoint protection on that. So, Ben, those were Windows endpoints? No, those were, I think, thin OS, smart OS or whatever they call it. Okay. So it was Linux? Yeah, it's Linux. Did you allow people to install their own applications? No. no okay. No, there's, no, no, there's, no. There's, in my opinion, are- 98% of your problem just left. Right. You know, they, they can't put their own crap on there. I, I was with an attorney actually here in the Lake Norman area 20 years ago, and I'm looking at his computer and it's full of malware and junkware and all kinds of stuff. And he looks at me and says, why did I why did you let this happen to my computer? I'm like, I didn't do that. You did that. He's yeah. a super smart guy. He's an attorney. I get it. He says he didn't read those agreements. He just says, yes, install this piece of software and the other 30 things that came with it. That was his fault, but he still thinks it's me, my fault, because I came once a year to update his antivirus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think the uh, I think the security aspect has pushed people over the edge, and now they're going to go. They're going to try harder to go that way. But in that world, they need some type of technology like a Citrix workspace that brings in the aggregation of the end user experience, single sign-on, single identity, multi-factor, also brings in security elements of zero trust into that world all at the same time while providing the administrator a, uh, a way to solve uh, his needs in terms of managing this all in place. Literally, the person I was with last week asked me, hey, you know, Citrix is going bye-bye. What are you going to do? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? What they do is more relevant than ever. Ever. I get there's some change in the company, but man, it's it's what we do around digital workspace and doing it right, which again, there's only one or two people that even do it right. It's 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 only going to accelerate as people understand what it is they're really trying to accomplish. Yeah. All right. Uh, this last section says unlocking uh, hybrid works innovation in your organization. Uh, I don't think it really tells you how to do that other than to, hey, give us a call and let us show you. And I think that's it, right? We've got to get to the point where we eat this, we eat, sleep, breathe this stuff and use it ourselves so that when somebody wants to say, how does this stuff work? We say like this. 
Got to be able to do a demo on your phone. That's right. right. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's one of the things when I first started Citrix, we had a uh, vice president that I hear rumor he would catch you in the halls and go, give me your workspace demo from your phone. And yep. if you didn't have it configured, man, you were in a world of hurt. So I've always got my workspace on my phone ready to go. And Andy, I've actually demoed this at uh, the ball game that you were, you and I were at uh, last year to one of our customers because they had they gotten into Citrix and they did it primarily for a BDI. They had no idea of workspace. They had no idea that we had a portal to bring things into. And when I showed them at your ball game, that started a very good conversation uh, with them. And, and they were like, we never even realized this was a thing. It's funny, Andy. I want to talk about, you know, our buyout, what's happening there. A lot of people are shocked at the value of that number, the $16 billion. And they go, how? Right. How are you a $16 billion company? Man, Citrix is not just virtualization, man. We have a very, uh, very robust networking uh, product set, the ADC. And a lot of people incorporate that into the virtualization product, but that thing can stand by itself. And there's a lot of large companies that are using that to balance their loads, large companies. Um, and then the whole right piece, and you know, a lot of people aren't familiar with right piece, but when you look at Citrix, you're really looking at three pillars of a company and when you look at that, man, that's what sets the $16 billion price tag. I mean, $16 billion price tag on it, because there's a lot of technology that we own uh, that's not always visible to the customer. So that's been an interesting conversation for me, just for people to go, how did you get to that kind of value? And then explaining the different pillars of products that we have and how they work in conjunction with each other, but also how they can work independently of each other. So, Ben, I was trying to pull it up while, we're, while you were talking there. Uh, I did some research the other week just to figure out what the digital workspace market looks like over the next uh, five, 10 years. I don't remember exactly the number I came up with, but it was so it was it was unbelievable where this is heading. So if if you think uh, companies like Citrix and others are dead in the water because of Office 365, it's it's just part of the overall solution that is in the I don't know, I think it was like $275 billion space. Um, it's it's going to grow into that over the next couple of years. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt, man. And it's like we've always talked about. I think the introduction of smartphone, tablet, this single interface, that's priming people to go into a digital workspace and be able to use that digital workspace the same across multiple devices. I mean, I now can work from my phone, from my tablet, my PC. I get all my work done. Everything's presented to me. It's presented to me in context of where I'm at. It's a stellar solution, man. I don't see it going anywhere. I see the buyout just making Citrix stronger. Yeah, the worldwide market is uh, almost $73 billion a year. That's, that's why this stuff's valuable. Now, Ben, going back to your demo conversation a minute ago, did you, um, if somebody were to pull you aside right now and say, show me Citrix or, or show me how you work, even better yet, would it include single sign-on, multi-factor authentication, oh, yeah single identity, access to all your applications, or would it be what I think a lot of people would show me, which I've done for years, a virtual desktop, an accessible virtual desktop from your phone. How many people have taken the story that far? I, I think at Citrix, a bunch of you probably could, but I think when you talk about your partners and the customers, a lot of them are still going to just pull up a virtual desktop and say, that's Citrix, which I think, of, unfortunately, a lot of people are stuck on the idea that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, you and I, you and I, I think you and I were in a meeting together I believe it was you and I, and the customer said, I just want to do desktops. 
And you and I were looking at each other like that's so 10 years ago. Yeah. The market has moved past that. So I don't, I don't dog customers for having just the VDI desktop. There's definitely a place for that. But man, the technology has moved where it's really about portal and employee access more than it is giving them a desktop these days. Well, so that, it kind of had to, didn't it? I mean, we're not talking about Windows 32 based Windows based apps anymore. We're talking about SaaS based apps like Salesforce and Workday and Concur and all these other uh, SaaS apps. If you ask that person uh, to show you their digital workspace and they launch a virtual desktop, my next question would be, what apps do you access? And if they go within that virtual desktop to Salesforce, then that seems to me like an opportunity to explain the workspace concept to them yeah. and how leveraging the workspace can allow you to access that securely with a single sign-on, the same way you access your virtual desktop, but not having to go into the virtual desktop to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, Andy, yes, man, when I log in, uh, Citrix asked me for my user ID and my password. It's then sent to Okta, which then sends, you know, a verification code. Is it really you? Are you coming from this device? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and then, man, I don't hardly use a desktop anymore, to be real honest with you. I'm mainly using the applications these days because, to Bill's point, going into a desktop is just a just another launch factor for me that, you know, I don't really need that anymore. So I'm using a lot of the applications native coming off of Citrix, you know, using the app, and then they feel just like they're native to my device, to whatever device I'm on. I use Salesforce a lot from my phone because I'm on the road. I'm in my car. I'm being asked questions. Um, is it perfect? No, but will it get the job done? Yes, it'll get the job done until I get back to a location that I can, you know, have a full du dual 32-inch monitors and all that. So uh, I see it getting better all the time. And I see, again, uh, to Bill's point with the younger generation, man, younger generations don't sit down at PCs anymore. My son does not sit down on a laptop. He sits down at his tablet and that's what he wants to sit down at. Right. Right. Yeah. I'll tell a quick story on that. I was on the flying back, uh, some flying from a business trip last week and somebody had a really nice tablet stuck onto the back of an airline seat and then they pulled it off and stuck a keyboard. It was, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the iPad pros, the big, big screen ones. Uh, but that's ideal for the future, right? You got tablet, tablet, tablet. You want to do some production, throw a keyboard on it and go, go, go. You want to throw it back on the back of the chair and watch a movie. Battery life was great. Uh, but how, what's going to facilitate the ability to the end user to run all these legacy applications, including a desktop, which that's just a gateway to get into a digital workspace. It may take people a decade to get onto that and off of that, uh, but it's coming. Uh, you know, Another part of the conversation is the, the endpoint devices driving decisions to how people can work because some of those endpoint devices people want to adopt are, are limited. It all, it all just points to a hundred different reasons why, whether it's cost, whether it's end user acceptance, whether it's security, whether it's the device in question that you wanna use, they all drive back to a connected world of digital works, a digital workspace that connects the rest of the world behind it uh, to make the end user happier and more productive. And you know, let, the Citrix is in a good spot for that. Agreed. Well, guys, I think we've covered it. I appreciate you jumping on after a couple of weeks of being off. And uh, as always, great to great to talk. And we'll get this out and share it with our listeners. And hopefully more listeners will share it with other people. I got to start doing that. I got to start prompting people to, to share this more. But it's good content. And I think uh, there's there's value in what we're doing. Oh, Andy, I will, I will tell you that my LinkedIn page fires up every time we do one of these. There are people listening. There are people that have reached out to me through this. So 
Man, kudos to you and Zintegra for having this. I'm glad you had me part of it. And, man, I look forward to 2022. But I, I honestly believe this is working just from my personal view of it and how people have reached out to me through LinkedIn, you know, just knowing I'm part of this podcast, man. So good job. Well, you enjoy doing it? Yeah, it's fun, man. I learned something. You know, I had a little embarrassing moment the last thing because I didn't realize that we had, you know, taken some technology from on-prem to, to cloud. So, man, I had to go back to the boss and go, oh, I had a little little weird moment. Now, you guys go, that's part of being human, and I, I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, man, I always learn a lot from this, Andy. You you and your organization are pushing the envelope and push me, and I appreciate the opportunity, and I hope that the listeners appreciate that we're honest. And then if we don't know something, we say we don't know it. It's hard to know all this stuff, man, and to keep up with it. It's changing constantly. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point, right? It's fun to have these conversations and we're also learning and hopefully people are listening and learning and sharing with other people. So it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's how I spend lunch on Wednesday, on Mondays for this group anyway. Bill, anything else? No, I, I would, I would echo what Ben said. You know, I really enjoy this. I learn things as well. And um, next week when we get on this, it'll be episode 100. Uh, so we we'll have to make sure that we uh, trump that up as much as we can. You know, it's hard to believe. Centennial. You know, I think we'll probably just do what we always do, which was is have a good conversation and talk to each other. And maybe the, the LinkedIn post will mention this 100. You know, we, there you go. There just going to do what we do, right? Just do what we do. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, appreciate it. And thanks for joining. Have a good one. Thanks.